Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech. And on a Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. This week, we want to talk about culture creation. And the reason why we want to talk about this is that we've had a number of different companies approach us over the past couple of weeks talking about how they can really build back rebuild or look forward to build a better culture within their businesses. Lots of companies are talking to us about talent retention, the war on talents and phrase that I am now coining the whole conversation, talent preservation. And I think this is a really fascinating topic for us to be talking about today because as we talk about EVP, as we talk about everybody hiring and trying to attract the best talent and retain that talent and invest in that talent, the crux to all of this is the culture in which they are joining. So before I go into a couple of examples of um, conversations I've been having, Toby, I know that you have done so much work on this. So you've read so many books on it. You've got loads <laughs> to share with us on it. It'd be great to hear your thoughts about culture creation. Yes. So this is a really interesting subject for me. And it's one of my favorites, as you, as you already say. And actually, as you said this last night, I was uh, sort of chuckled to myself because in my hands here, you won't be able to see it, obviously, on the podcast, but I'm holding Daniel Coyle's latest book. Daniel Coyle's a wonderful New York Times bestselling author, and he wrote the, the Talent Code, which is a brilliant uh, story on, on talent, and the Culture Code, and this is the follow-up to the Culture Code called, called the Culture Playbook, and it's 60 highly effective actions to help your group succeed. And as I read through it, it's things there which you, which you know, which you've heard of, which you look at. I look through these, you know, I'm, I'm probably about halfway through it at the moment, and looking at the various tips, and it's tips there that you know. There's nothing here within this that you uh, and group activities that you haven't done, you haven't heard of, you wouldn't have thought about. But I just think it's that sort of real significance of making sure these tips are are actually done. And and you know we've spoken about it before. Common sense and common practice are really the two you know put to, put together. These are common sense, but the difficulty is being consistent in applying them over time. And I think that consistency is such an important missing thing in all levels of performance. I've said it on this podcast before. My favourite podcast to listen to is the High Performance Podcast with Jake Humphrey and Damien Hughes. And they ask a question every single day, which is what does high performance mean to you to every guest they have on the show? And if I'm ever asked that question, to me, is, is the, you know, the, the answer of what high performance is, is just playing it your best consistently. And I think the discipline that it takes to, to do that, the relentlessness, the focus and the passion that allows that to happen, is something which is which can be done individually but to do it as a team creates a real high performance culture and a high performance culture isn't something that just happens it's not about a collection of people it's not just about putting the best and most talented individuals into a team it takes time to research what that is it takes time to think of the dynamics it takes time to think of diversity it takes time to think about your story to work on it together to think about the purpose and what's really interesting in this culture playbook is something which I know you talk about a lot and I think is really under, undervalued, which is the whole concept of psychological safety. And alongside psychological safety, the whole sense of celebration, of gratitude, of, of embedding values into a business. And for me, culture is about saying that this is a, and the, the very simple art of culture is about communication and over-communication. And I think that's something which in any, I'll talk about it in, in lessons of the week later on, but communication to me is the bedrock of success in loads of different things that come, you know, come through. And I think those, are, those high-performing cultures, those cultures who are really thriving and moving further forward, have a genuine focus on making sure their communications are right. We've been really, really fortunate over the last year to speak to loads of companies who are going through hyper-growth, 
loads of companies who've moved to virtual, loads of companies who are doing this in a very, very different way. We've interviewed hundreds of companies for the top 1% workplace awards. We've been speaking to companies and advising companies on how they grow and how they build these cultures around in, in very new and in different surroundings. And when you look at the golden thread that lists all the way through them is, is their culture, whether they are in offices, whether they're in countries all over the world, whether they're completely remote or, and hybrid, or wherever they sit, you know, these guys work hard at their culture. They're very clear about where they want to go. They're very clear about the what's in it for me. They're very clear about the values and standards they expect from each other. They're very clear about communication. They're very clear about making sure that everyone has the right balance. And they're clear about, I guess, reward and compensation. They're clear about praise and celebration. And they're clear about making sure that there are channels of communication that allow people to know this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is why what we're doing is important. And it is, there's a playbook here with those 60 highly effective actions, as I say. And I think they are all obvious. They're all things that can, that can be done, but they are all things that if you take out 22 of them because you just haven't thought about them, your culture suffers because of it. And I think that, that thing is, is, is so important that, it, that this isn't just something which you can do, have a session, have an off-site, uh, say, right, we've worked on our culture, now we're you know, a great high-performing culture. I don't think you can say we're a high-performing culture over and over again. I think it's absolutely got to be the DNA of the, of the business that runs through it. And there's some really exciting companies who we're talking to at the moment, speaking to some fantastic leaders all the time who are doing some, some cool things. And I think the ones that really inspire me and alongside that, the ones who are demonstrably getting the best results at the moment are those who put the culture of their organization very much at the heart of it. Gone are the days where you are successful by rolling with an iron fist by creating a terrible environment and seeing it. Those companies are really suffering at the moment and having to change their game a little bit. This is something you're mad keen on as well, for want of a better expression. I Tell like us a little expression. bit about, <laughs> mad keen. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experience of it all. Yeah, it's, it's really, really exciting that so many businesses are looking to drive change on this. Um, I'm really pleased that you've mentioned the point of psychological safety and communication, because actually the conversations that I've been having is, Nadia, where do we start? We know that we can bring in some really exciting and new ways of looking at our culture, but like, how do we actually build that belief from the people in all of that and in the new plans? Because let's be honest, lots of businesses, especially over the pandemic, came up with all these new ideas for how they could build high performance culture or how they could build a culture where people feel that they can talk to each other better at work. And a lot of these things weren't followed through at the level that they should have been. So it was almost like great big promises, but the detail behind it to make it all happen, it's hard work and it's constant work, which you, which you mentioned in, in what you were saying there. So actually the reality is a lot of people will look at their talents, their retention problem, looking at how do they preserve their talent and then think, right, let's do some work on culture. But actually the individuals in the company may look at that and go, well, is this a here we go again? Or is this something that we can actually trust? So it's about rebuilding that trust back in a lot of cases, because this isn't only companies that are completely new and they're creating talent, creating a culture from scratch. This is about your current culture and creating a better culture on top of it. That does need that psychological safety, that trust. And the word that you mentioned a lot there, communication, open, honest communication, which needs 
forums to allow for that, which needs the safety for people to want to be able to answer the important questions. So some of the, the bits of advice that I've been giving is break it down, have smaller group conversations. Yes, it sounds like a longer investment, but this longer investment will reach a much, much better reward when it comes to your culture, your people, and that talent preservation. And some of the conversations I've been having is what do you talk about in these quangos, in these small groups of people where you're trying to understand where are we right now culture-wise? What's the truth? What do the troops feel like in this in this office or, or in this uh, in this company, wherever you're all working? And some of the, the most popular questions that have come out of the debates that I've been having, I just wanted to share them with everybody because I think, as you said there, common sense is an often common practice and that these aren't magical questions that are going to answer everything, but they're a really good start. And I think they represent a bit of a, a drawing a line in the stand and starting again. And I can imagine that what, not only imagine, I know from many of the companies that I've spoken to that some of them are reticent to begin work on culture again because it hasn't necessarily worked in the past. But I'm really encouraging, draw that line in the sand. Rebuilding trust starts right here. And that's how we move things forward. And that's the reality of this conversation. So let me just share some of these questions. What are you most proud of at work? What would you improve about work? If there was one thing you could change at work, what would it be? Is there anyone you think who is currently overlooked at work? If we were to put a cultural calendar together for awareness and celebration, what would you want on it? How can we empower team members more? So just a couple of questions that I'm sharing there, but I think those questions, it's like we didn't plan this beforehand. I didn't know exactly what you were going to say. You didn't know that I was going to read out those questions. And look, they both cross over like a really nice Venn diagram from what you said and how we can actually turn that into action in our businesses. And anyone listening to this, it doesn't need to be the chief people officer that says, right, we're going to implement this. Whoever you are in the business, write those questions down. Go and talk to your boss. Go and talk to your chief people officer and say, hey, how can, how can we actually attain this high performance culture by bringing in a culture of psychological safety so that we all know that we're striving towards something together? And that's a great thing. That's a great thing to be discussing. I think there's a really important part about that, which is, which is culture isn't the responsibility of just the leadership. It's not just a top-down thing. This is about people taking accountability and taking responsibility. And in high-performance environments, you see that sort of feeding all the coursing all the way through the veins of the business. So it's about someone who might be two months into it, being able and confident. This comes down to psychological safety and vulnerability and all those sort of things. Or being comfortable to say, this is something we can improve and do better. It's about people being able to say, I've screwed up, rather than sort of hide behind it and, and worry about the recriminations. It's about people taking that accountability and pushing themselves further forward. So I think there's a really interesting piece around that, that companies can work hard to get right. And I think that there's a, a huge thing alongside this that it is around that awareness because there are too many businesses out there that are sitting on their laurels feeling like our culture is fine. But, you know, why, why aren't we holding on to people and why can't we attract new people? Why are we getting so many offers that are, are not accepted? And, you know, some of them even worse aren't even asking those questions. And this is 100 percent what we're here for to to help with that, to make sure that we are really turning 
those questions into into answers and an action following that and i wanted to take this on to what we're doing in our next magazine because even though this our next magazine isn't going to be produced for a while we are going out there right now and gathering information for it when i say gathering information unlike our previous magazines the financial technologists where we have had the majority of that magazine showcasing different businesses across the financial technology space and showcasing what they're doing and celebrating their wins what we want to do this time is a series of surveys and polls and gather information across our sector to really open the eyes of people within the sector in terms of what the status quo actually is right now. So I wanted to share some early stats that we've got because we did a poll in our recent careers webinar. So we had 300 technologists sign up to this webinar. So we thought that was a really good pool of of talent to be asking questions of. Of these individuals, 69% of them had been headhunted 12 times in the past 12 weeks on average. Of that 69%, 30% had been headhunted 36 times in the past 12 weeks. That's an average of three times a week. And when I say headhunted, that is via a phone call or an email or a LinkedIn or, or a message, some sort of contact talking to them about a new role. And I thought that that was a really interesting stat because While so many businesses may feel confident that they're able to retain their staff, this is the status quo of of our industry right now. Across all of financial technology, I say it all the time, we've received so much funding, we have a skills gap, we have a skills shortage, we have a talent shortage. So we have to just know that our talent in our businesses is, is going to be receiving calls and we have to be really confident that our culture and the opportunity that they've got within the business that they're in is going to hold them. Oh, another one of the questions that we asked, which I thought was really, really interesting, uh, came out with the result that only 18% of these technologists were totally clear on what they needed to do to progress in their current firm. So again, I speak about this week upon week. Why is it that we have a culture across the industry of people moving and moving out of their companies to progress? And there is this belief to progress, you have to leave your business. And I I think fundamentally, we've got a lot of work to do here to be able to retain talent within the industry and within businesses so that they can really expand on their skill sets and be given the opportunities that, that they deserve. But only 18% of these people were totally clear on what they need to do to progress. So there's massive opportunity there. And then the final one that I wanted to, to give everybody an early awareness on was of all the people that we asked this question, 58% of them simply wanted greater input on decisions. And that would actually retain them within their business. I mean, this is simple stuff. And I think, you know, again, common sense, common practice. Like, wow, to me, I look at those stats and I, and I want to share those stats because that's really, really interesting stuff. And I think it's stuff that people won't expect. But also it's stuff that we can, we can do something about. 58% wanting greater input on decisions. Let's talk to our people. Let's hear what they've got to say. Let's listen to their opinions. Let's see whether, whether we can put that into decision making. Only 18% being clear on what they need to to do to progress. Great. Let's make people really clear on what career progression looks like in businesses. And we know everyone's going to be getting headhunted right now. So we have to work really hard at, at preserving the talent within our businesses. So Toby, I wanted just to say that, but also to give you an opportunity to tell us a bit more about what we're hoping to achieve for this next magazine. 
Yeah, this, this, it's really interesting that because look, there's going to be a lot of data in this magazine. There's going to be a lot of data around salaries. There's going to be a lot of data around statistics like the, as you've just said. And I think the key to it is, is to be, you know, to ensure that there's a story, there's an competitive story. I was speaking to someone earlier on or last week who was just talking about the importance of talent in their business. And it's the CEO of a, of a major international business, a really successful business. And he's saying that, you know, I want to talk to you because this is a significant part of our future and our success. Great conversation, enormously charismatic guy, talked to a, to a candidate and he was a difference, you know, differential in making that, you know, that offer attractive to that particular candidate. And the candidate's at the final sort of stage. He's done a great job, this, uh, this salesman. He talks to me afterwards and saying, look, I really like the candidate, definitely keen to get him on board, et cetera, et cetera. He then, we, we finished the conversation, he then says, right, this is someone who we want to, you know, we're really keen to, to bring on board. After that, we are now nearly two weeks on. There's another offer on the table and that offer, you know, the final paperwork hasn't been sent and set. And it's likely that this candidate may have to take another offer as opposed to this one. Because the, the differential between you know, word and delivery and package and all those different part bits and pieces at the end have been a little bit clumsy in terms of how they're, uh, you know, they're, put, they're put together. And I think, right, this is something which we want to get through in this magazine. Isn't just these are the salaries you need to pay. It's let's have a look at all the things you can do to not just onboard talent and, and people know what they're worth and what they have to pay and where value, where value sits at the moment but also how you make sure you're retaining people. And I think the, the, the purpose of this magazine isn't just to do a listing and have some data for, for people. I think it's to tell the story behind that data and really work on something there which allows people to put their best foot forward in terms of how they can develop and, and grow and keep their best talent. We're talking about a talent retention strategy, which is what we want to get through from this. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to see what more we can share and what a difference that's going to make because too many people have been guessing and we're going to really turn those guesses into this is the real picture and this is what we actually need to be doing. So excited about it. Shall we move on to the quick fire round of questions, Tavi? Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? Perfect. What has been the most exciting thing you have seen this week? The exciting thing for, for me is in a time when there's a little bit of uh, anticipation about the marketplace at the moment, following a real sort of period of sustained growth and ease for a lot of people in terms of their growth, I think people have started to say that the securities markets are, are predicting, you know, real trouble. You know, there's poor headlines all over the world. But the excitement for me is we saw during lockdown and saw during the most difficult you know, economic period, there were companies that went into hyper growth mode. And I've been speaking to a number of different companies who are, not adjusting those growth plans who are, are recognising opportunity at the moment. There are real pockets of massive innovation and opportunity. And, and I've been speaking to so many companies over the last couple of weeks who are going through some really, really exciting phases. There's a lot of, uh, you know, despite the anticipations around investor cash, et cetera, et cetera, there's still a lot of money going into the right areas. And I think fintech is one of those areas. And, and I think there's going to be some really exciting and interesting developments over the next couple of months, years. Lovely. And the best lesson you've learned this week? Ties into what we've just been speaking about. I'm really proud of everything we do in this business. And occasionally there will just be something there where I think that we can do something a little bit better. There's a client who we're working with at the moment who I think we could have done better with. And all of that comes down to communication. So I'm disappointed being very open around all of this, that on this occasion, our communication hasn't been as good as it possibly can be. We're working with a difficult few searches for this client. And it just makes me realise once again that the, the fulcrum of this job is to over-communicate and chat, 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 tell people where we're at. Some news is better than no news at all, be it good or bad. And who has been your star of the week? 
Yeah, so two, so two stars this week for me, one on either side of the pond, so I'm being greedy again, so apologies for that. But I want to do a big shout out to Pete Deliani. Outstanding month in terms of result, but just a guy whose uh, who's energy, enthusiasm and delivery and desire to make things happen has been uh, exemplified uh, over the course of this month. So outstanding work and rewarding himself with a little trip off to Disney World next week. And I hope him and the family have a great time. Over this side of the pond... Something that's really exciting for me to say is that over the course of the next couple of months, we've got eight new starters for the Harrington Star team. And there's another eight signed off behind that, that as well. I've got to say a massive well done to Mr. Anthony Mills, who has been working tirelessly to make that happen. We've got a real good flow of people I'm really excited to introduce to the industry. Some people who have been you know, in the industry for a while during coming on board with us. So expect to see a, a flurry of information about new names and excellent cavalry coming in to boost the firepower we've already got. Really excited to welcome some, some new people in. And Millsy, if you are listening, cracking effort, mate. Well done. Well done. And your quote of the week? Quote of the week is one I've, I've got a fear that I may have said before, but I want to say it again anyway, because I just think Must it's... Must be good. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one. It just pops into my head this week, which is if you are persistent, you will get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. And I say this in my obsession at the moment for relentless persistence and consistency. I think they're, they're three of the biggest words that allow performance to happen. So I just think you know, that, that persistence that people do, I see a lot of people give up or not just on a job or in a career or anything like that, but give up on an initiative that will get them to somewhere if they, you know, if they keep on putting the hours and the shift in to get to that sort of stage and they give up too early. If you're persistent, you'll get it. I think this is important enough on its own. But if you're consistent, you'll keep it. That, to me, is the real deciphering part. It's very easy to get complacent. It's very easy to take your foot off the pedal. I want to be around people, and I want to, and I love working with people who put their foot down even more when they're there and succeeding than say, this is me, and, and start to get that that's the sort of attack of hubris. The virus of complacency is real, and I think that quote exemplifies it really well. Naz, let's move over to you. Tell me about the most exciting thing you've seen this week. Super, super excited about a bank's asset management arm contacting me off the back of the Walk the Talk book launch because they want to affect their gender imbalance. And this is just another example of a new client coming to us because they, they want to get better. They want to build more inclusive teams. They want to understand what they need to do in their environment. I'm in my element. You know how I absolutely love doing all of that. So I couldn't be more excited about it. That sounds exciting to me and it's going to be really great. The work you're doing on that, I keep banging on about, but I think it's it's uh, it's game-changing. So well done and keep it up. And they, they're very lucky if they're getting involved with you on that. Next up, tell us the biggest lesson you've learned this week. Biggest lesson, keep calm and carry on. So you, you know this, Toby. <laughs> you know how I, how I can get. So I am super excited because I'm going to Money 2020 on June the 9th. I was supposed to be moderating a panel at one o'clock and I was told this week that it's actually at 10 o'clock in Amsterdam. My flight arrives at 10.30. All totally booked and organised so that I can take kids to the nursery, get straight to the airport, get on the, get on the plane, get there, do the talk speak to as many people as I possibly can do, enjoy the networking, build relations, get back on that plane, get the kids kids into bed before bedtime. Lovely. And then I get told it's actually 10 a.m. But that's okay. I was calm. I carried on and we found a solution. <laughs> but I just wanted to share that because it's it's such a big lesson that I just need to keep saying to myself and I'm really pleased that I didn't let it throw me off for the entire day. So yeah, big lesson. Look at that. Very proud of you. <laughs> Tell me your star of the week. 
Reese, Reese all over. So I had a really great review. It was, I think his fifth, fifth week review with Reese and George Harris. And I was super, super impressed with what he's done so far within this business. Just great attitude. I love what you've said about your quote around consistency and persistency. And I think that, yeah, he's been totally persistent. He's been consistent at building up what he's supposed to be doing. Really impressive stuff. Keep up the great work. Good stuff, Reese. Keep plugging away. And give us a quote. Quote of the week, luck favours the prepared. It's a bit of a funny Literally. one. So as most people who listen to this know, I've got uh, young kids. And at the minute, we are watching The Incredibles 2 on repeat. And that is a quote from Edna Moll. And uh, I, yeah, I told you it was a funny one. And it really does. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with her more. Luck favours the prepared. So... Let's get prepared. I'll tell you what, through Pixar, through Disney, there's a lot of memes and stuff that come out, don't there, about lessons you can learn from the Wolf of Wall Street and all that sort of thing, which I think is just revolting that the recruitment industry keeps on trying to compare itself to that. Yeah. Uh, and it takes me back to a blog I wrote ages ago about the lessons you can take from Turbo, that film about the uh, snail. Yeah, the who snail. Wants to yeah. race in a NASCAR. So I think if you look at Kung Fu Panda, Turbo, The Incredibles 2, whatever it is, there's so many different things that you can pick up from those that, that, that give far better lessons for life than you're going to get Disney out of Wall Street. And Pixar so I love the fact you brought that DreamWorks, in. They are working so hard at their equality. Like they're trying to tip the balance from how bad Disney was, you know, back in the day, you know, with only 8% yeah. of women being seen in the whole, in the whole of the cartoon. And that they really, they really are working hard. And I've done my research because Toby, you were very uh, kind to, our Christmas present was Disney Plus. So yeah, I've definitely been doing the, the research. There's a lot from uh, Bob Iger around that, who's, uh, who I think has done an inspirational job with Disney to really look at that. Yeah, films like Black Panther and Moana and, and loads of different things are really changing the needle for diversity. It's really good to see. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Just really excited for more people to get in touch. That conversation about culture creation, it can happen at any point. And look at Disney. Disney has made mistakes in the past, lots of mistakes, just what we were saying there. And now, now look at the direction that they've gone in. At any point, there can be a line drawn in the sand. We can start again and, and build back better. So I'd really, really love to talk to more companies about this because it is about preserving talent within this industry. And I'm so keen to support and help. Let's do that. Let's do that. Well, listen, guys, thank you very, very much for listening. We love doing the podcast, as we say every week. We hope you love listening to it. Uh, it keeps growing, keeps going around the country. We're looking at the data, we're looking at the stats. Thank you for all over the world where you're listening into it. Please do keep rating, reviewing, passing the pod on. It means the world to us. We love doing it. And, uh, and if, as always, if there's anything you want us to add to the shows, if there are people you want us to interview on our in individual podcasts, we'd love to be able to help out on that too. So thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye from me. Thank you.